right, our scripture can be found on the back of the bulletin or on the screen. Uh, this uh, is all about Jesus being the bread of life. On the next day, this is after Jesus has fed the 5,000, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they went themselves. They themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are not seeking me. You are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. 
As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. The word of the Lord. Well, we get to talk about one of my favorite topics today, which is bread. I love bread, especially warm and fresh bread like this sourdough loaf uh, from Panera. Uh, I love bread, but bread does not love me. You see, I have a gluten allergy that I've developed uh, in the latter part of my life. And so I, I see all this beautiful bread and I can't eat it. And it makes me frustrated. Uh, in a large part of the world, uh, it's bread that keeps people alive. And Jesus comes to these people and speaks of himself as the bread of life. The people are confused. What is he talking about? But Jesus is speaking of their souls. Jesus is saying that he is the bread that can bring true satisfaction to the heart. And it's such a powerful concept that he must use an analogy of bread to explain it. So we're going to try to unpack his message to understand what Jesus is trying to say. But really, if you were to sum up this sermon, it could be summed up in one sentence. That Jesus is the true bread that can satisfy our souls. We're going to look at three truths in this time that we have together. Number one, Jesus is the bread of life. Number two, the Father must draw us to Jesus. And finally, number three, we must feed on Jesus. So let's look at these truths together as we discover the central truth, that Jesus is the true bread that can satisfy our souls. Let's look at point number one. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus has left after feeding the 5,000. And he's gone to the other side of the lake of the Sea of Galilee, and the people go searching for him. And it says in verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. See, the reason they're following Jesus is Jesus has fed them in terms of he's fed their stomachs, he's filled their bellies, and so they're they're on the move looking for a free lunch for Jesus to feed their bellies again. They don't realize that it's Jesus who is the one that feeds their souls. What they are doing is they're fixating on the product of the miracle, not the person of the miracle. So Jesus says to them, do not work for the food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Now, Jesus is not saying to them uh, to work, rather to look for. Do not look for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life. Jesus says that you're to be focusing on this food that is spiritual food. Look for something deeper than simply filling your belly. Look for that which satisfies your soul a hunger to know and be right with God. Look for food that gives God's blessing and approval. Look for food that lasts and endures to eternal life. And notice what he says, which 
the Son of Man will give you. Jesus is saying, I have this eternal food for you, and I will give it to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. A seal is something in ancient times, a ring or a a seal that would be used to authenticate something. And Jesus is saying, God has divinely appointed me to come and bring satisfaction to your soul. They said to him, verse 28, what must we do to be doing the works of God? See, they're, they're missing it. What must we do, they say? What do we have to do? What can we achieve by our own efforts to get this bread? See, they're not looking at Jesus as the one who provides spiritual satisfaction. Jesus may be an advisor, but he's not a provider. And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. In other words, people, you're missing the point. It's not you doing the work. It's you believing in me, that that is the work. Believing that I am who I say that I am. That I am the one whom God has sent to satisfy your thirsty soul and to make you right with God. Now, this is profound. All other religions call you to work out your own salvation. But in Christianity, the calling is to believe in the one who has worked out your salvation. So they said to him, verse 30, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? See, this is too much for the crowd. It's blowing their minds. What sign that we may see and believe you? As if feeding 5,000 people wasn't enough to show that Jesus was the one who could do something like this. They're resisting Jesus' claim. And so they bring up Moses. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. But Jesus said, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. In other words, first of all, Moses didn't give you this bread. It was God. But the bread that he gave in the Old Testament was temporary and it was external. My father is now giving you the true bread from heaven. Something that nourishes you eternally and spiritually and is infinitely superior to the manna that was given in Old Testament times. Verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Notice that the bread is not an it. The bread is a he. And this bread gives life. Jesus goes on in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever hunger comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. See what Jesus is stressing here? I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me, that means anyone who would come to me shall not hunger, and who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the bread of life who nourishes people spiritually and satisfies the deep spiritual longings of their souls. Those who trust in him shall not hunger. That is, their spiritual longing to know God will be satisfied. 
What this means, my friends, is Jesus himself and all that God is for me in him is what I hunger and thirst for. Jesus is what you are hungering and thirsting for. It doesn't mean that hunger and thirst in our souls does not rise up every day. But it means now we know what it's for. Now we know where to turn. Now we know what to drink and what to eat. We drink down Jesus. We swallow the glory of Jesus. And there is a never-ending supply. And this is what we were made for. All other treasures, all other pleasures point to this, that Jesus is the all-satisfying end of every longing. The people are looking at Jesus as a meal ticket or a miracle worker. They're not looking to him as the bread of life. And we too frequently underestimate Jesus, what he does and who he is. Sure, we want him to fix the external things in our life, the problems we have with our job, our health, and our marriage. And Jesus is concerned about those things, but he came to do so much more. He came to bring life to our souls. See, deep inside each one of us is a longing, a hunger to be loved and accepted by God. And nothing else can satisfy that hunger. Jesus has come to satisfy the hunger of our souls. I started going to a restaurant recently. It's called Cooper's Hawk Restaurant. It's a nice restaurant. It's, it's in uh, uh, the, the mall. Uh, it's near the mall, Lynn Haven Mall. And every time you go, they bring out this brioche of bread. And I look at it longingly and can't eat it. And uh, one time I asked for a gluten-free menu. And lo and behold, they brought out a gluten-free brioche of bread. And it was hot and it was piping and it was delicious. And I enjoyed it. But you see, the reality of physical bread is it runs out. It can temporarily feed my stomach, but sooner or later, it runs out. And unless I'm living at Cooper's Hawk, it won't continue to feed me. See, I have a much deeper hunger in my life. It's a hunger of my soul to find meaning, significance, purpose, to be loved and accepted by God. And no physical bread, no matter how good, can fill my soul, but Christ can. See, what is the greatest question we could ask ourselves today? What's the greatest question you can ask? What must I do to inherit eternal life? That's the greatest question, a question that concerns every single person in this room. What is the one thing that is necessary to enable me to live forever in the presence of God? And the answer that Jesus gives is to have him as the bread of life. And so we must look to Jesus to satisfy the hunger of our hearts. We must stop trying to be satisfied with simply receiving the things of the world. For the things of this world are transitory. If you trust in this world, it's an up and down existence, right? It's feast or famine. You're a business owner and you're on top of the world. Things are going great. 
and then the market tumbles and you're on the bottom. And if you put your trust in that business, in your position, you're starving. But Jesus says, don't labor for that which perishes, but labor for that which endures to eternal life. What it means is that you do not labor for food that perishes. You do not fret that somehow your entire life has become jeopardized because the material things of this world are collapsing around you. Your joy isn't destroyed by it. Your peace isn't destroyed by it because you're not working and laboring for food that perishes. Your goal is to enjoy Christ because he is the true bread that satisfies the soul. This brings me to my second point that the father must draw us to Jesus. So you ask the question, how can we come to Jesus? How can we receive this living bread? Notice in verse 37 that all that the father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. See, there's a giving on the part of the father. There's a coming on the part of men and women. And there's a receiving on the part of Jesus. But coming to Christ is a work of the father. It's his divine initiative. I'm going to give you five statements of God's sovereign work in drawing us to Christ. Number one, God gives his chosen ones to Jesus. I'll say it again. God gives his chosen ones to Jesus. The decision for us to come to Jesus is not based on our will, but the will of the father. Notice verse 37. All that the father gives me will come to me. Verse 39. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. It's God who gives his chosen ones to Jesus. Point number two, because God gives them to Jesus, they will come to Jesus. Verse 37, all that the father gives me will come to me. See, it's not the other way around. Jesus does not say that because people come to Jesus and believe on Jesus, God therefore gives them to the son. No, those whom the father gives to the son come to the son. It's God who secures their coming. It's God who works their coming and guarantees their coming. When you came to Christ, God brought you. When you believed, it was God opening your eyes. When Jesus was understandable to you, you didn't make Jesus look all satisfying to your heart. God did. And when you came, you came freely with all your resistance overcome. It goes on. My third point, those given to Jesus are kept by Jesus. Verse 37, all that the father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. See, the giving and the coming are the father's sovereign work. And the keeping is the son's sovereign work. Verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. See, the son will never lose us or reject us. And verse 40 says eternal life, not temporary life. It cannot be lost. So we are eternally safe in the son. 
Point number four, Jesus will raise us from the dead on the last day. Verse 39, this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Verse 40, everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. See, Jesus knows that death looks to everyone like a defeat, a loss. It looks, though, at least as though our, at least our bodies are lost. And to that, Jesus says two times to make it crystal clear, I will raise it up on the last day. Not even your body will be lost. Finally, number five, the unshakable foundation of all of this is the will of God. Verse 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. It is God's sovereign will that none of his own will be lost. Verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is God's plan. God's will to bring you to Jesus Christ. Verse 40, for this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. What can we conclude from these truths? If you are a Christian, you can have confidence and reassurance that you who believe and trust in Jesus Christ will not be lost. See, he's saying to us that because salvation is a work of God from beginning to end, we can rest in the assurance that having begun a good work, he will complete it under the day of Jesus Christ. Unless, my friends, there is a work of divine spiritual renewal, none of us would ever come to Christ. But if you believe, it's because he has drawn you to Christ and Christ will never cast you out. So rejoice. Your salvation is secure in Christ. Do not fear the future. Do not fear your status or your standing before God. But rest in your position as the beloved. The one that God chose. That God put his hand on. That God blessed and brought near to himself through his son. These truths should reassure us. But they should also humble us. See, it's not because of my wisdom or my righteousness that I have come to Christ. But it's because of the grace and mercy of God the Father. The truth is, my friends, that we bring nothing to our salvation but our sin. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, give thanks do not boast or be proud, but humble yourself before the Lord who rescued you. If you are not yet a believer, how do you know that God is not drawing you now? That it is him who has brought you here to hear the gospel. Because everyone who looks on the son and believes in him will have eternal life. You can do that now. You can place your trust in Christ. Because Jesus is the only true bread that can satisfy our souls. So the truth is, it's the father who draws his children to Christ. This brings me to my final point, that we must feed on Jesus. 
Jesus said in verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. What is Jesus saying here? Is he advocating cannibalism? No, you understand that he means this in a spiritual sense. To eat Jesus' flesh has the spiritual meaning of trusting or believing in him, especially in his death for the sins of mankind. And similarly, to drink his blood means to trust in his atoning death, which is represented by the shedding of his blood. But you see what Jesus is saying here? Unless you are obsessed with me to the point that you eat me, you know, you can't get more graphic language than that. Unless you come to the point where day by day by day, your life's dependence is upon eating me, then you cannot have eternal life. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. See, Jesus is saying that he is the bread which has come into the world. Every day we are to eat and drink in conversion and in ongoing communion with him. Jesus is saying that he wants to meet our needs every day as we feast on him. We never reach a stage where I say, he used to meet my needs, but he doesn't do that anymore. For Jesus says, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. We chase after the things of the world, hoping that they will feed us, hoping that they will satisfy us, but they cannot. What we need is true soul nourishment, so we must feast on him every day. I remember a story about uh, Dr. Jim Boyce, who's a former pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church in, in Philadelphia. And he was making his way uh, in a transatlantic crossing on a ship, and, and Dr. Boyce was very frugal. And uh, he bought his ticket, and he, he saw the dinner, but he decided that was not for him. He, he brought his own food, you see. And after a while, the food gets stale and crusty. Until some days into the voyage, he finally goes to dinner. And someone says to him, didn't you know that dinner was part of the price of the ticket? It's included. Voice had all of the blessings and benefits of being nourished day by day on the cruise, but was not taking advantage of them. We can be like that, right? We have trusted in Christ, but we don't go to him moment by moment to have our souls nourished by his love. What are you going to? Is it the world's approval? Is it the material things that this world has to offer? They're temporary pleasures at best that cannot truly satisfy our souls. But Jesus has given us true food that satisfies the soul. And he wants to satisfy our souls every day with his love and his grace. Every day we can have a meal in Jesus Christ. In prayer, we can commune with him. We can read his word where he proclaims his love for us. Moment by moment, we can rest in his love and salvation, for he never runs out of grace for us. So seek his face day by day. 
Recalibrate your desires for him. Look to him to be your real food and your real drink. Don't settle for the things of this world when you can have him. For Jesus is the only true bread that can satisfy our souls. May you know this in your heart of hearts and rely and rest on him, feeding on him day by day and being satisfied in the deepest part of your life. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we thank you that you are the one that can satisfy our soul. You are the one that brings salvation and the favor of God and the grace of God. And you live in us, your people. Oh, God, let us go to you day by day, moment by moment, to be filled up by your grace and your love and your mercy. Let us turn away from the things of this world that cannot satisfy the deepest longings of our heart. But instead, let us look to you, for you are the true bread that satisfies our souls. And so we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.